Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. Day after the Grammys, how you feeling? Obviously amazing. Did you not have the time of your life? Of course I did, but that's the Grammys every year. You literally just get to watch a concert of all of your favorite artists. Like It doesn't get better than that. In what world do you have Joni Mitchell, Stevie Wonder, Billy Joel, Tracy Chapman, Dua Lipa, SZA, all performing on the same stage over the course of three hours? Like That is fucking heaven. It's the best. And then on top of that, not only do you get the performances on stage, you get all of your favorite artists and people sitting on the floor together. And by the way, I know I said this after the Emmys because it was one of my major takeaways from the Golden Globes, but everybody sitting at tables instead of audience seating is the biggest game changer. I have to imagine that as an attendee, you feel that way also. But specifically as a viewer, I just feel like it creates such an intimacy in a room that very easily could not feel intimate. You know, you got a lot of famous people. There's a lot of people there. And as Michael Chase said, talking about how hard of a gig it is to be a host, and he was like, imagine if you're trying to make LeBron laugh before game six of the NBA finals. Like everyone on some level has a little bit of a nervous energy because most people there are nominated. And there's just something about that seating that I do think creates a more relaxed environment. It does because it feels like everybody's hanging out with their friends rather than like sitting in an audience and watching a production. And it creates this environment where you're not only interacting with the people sitting directly next to you or the people sitting at your table, but you're able to, I mean, by you, I mean celebrities, not like us, but you're able to interact with all of these people around you, all of these incredible artists. And then us as the viewers, we get to watch those interactions, understand the dynamics, see a glimpse into what it's like to like, be a celebrity at an award show like this that we would never get otherwise. 
Well, you know, the concept of like taking a lap, like say you're out with your friends, like let's just do a lap. It's a lot easier to do a lap when it's table seating than when you're just literally in an auditorium. And so, for example, all of these artists that were getting up, doing laps to then get in line to basically take a picture with Beyonce or Taylor, like if I'm them, I'm very grateful for that setup because it makes it far easier to navigate the room. And that's what I was thinking of is because there was that tweet from the night that was like, I wish everybody could see the line of people waiting to get their picture with Beyonce. And then everybody was quote tweeting it with all of the pictures that every artist and every person there was taking with Beyonce. And it's like, it's one thing to be told about a certain interaction of a night and a certain element of a night from the perspective of inside the award show. It's another thing as a fan to see that dynamic play out in real time And to like literally be able to visualize where's everybody sitting, where's everybody coming up to, where's everybody walking to be able to do that. You can see during the commercial breaks, people getting up and walking around and mingling. And something you and I always, always say is that Hollywood in general has this aura of just being like a high school. And so there's a big difference between an auditorium in high school where everybody's watching an assembly, let's say, or the lunchroom where everybody's getting up and interacting and talking and mingling. And that's what last night had the vibe of. I was going to say, give me a cafeteria any day of the week. It's like cafeteria, study hall in the library. Like it felt like a little bit of a, of a free for all. And I love that because we don't get to understand those dynamics. Like as much as we can watch and observe, like the idea of two mega celebrities talking to each other at the biggest award show of the year is a foreign concept to all of us. But to be able to get even the slightest glimpse into what that looks like or what that potentially feels like, like you feel like you're a part of something. Like you feel like for one moment, you have this perspective of like a perspective you are literally never going to have. No, as far as I was concerned, I was in heaven. And you know, what's really fun is that I feel this way pretty much every year. Obviously some are better than the others, but it's just like, oh yeah, this is why we do this. Like this is just the most fun thing ever. And I mean, the performances were out of control. I don't know what your number one moment was if you had to choose. Obviously Miley was up there for me, but if I really had to pinpoint my number one wow performance moment. It was Tracy Chapman, Luke Combs, Fast Car. That that took me out. I, I wasn't crying, but I had chills on my entire body and I felt like I could. No, that was such a special moment. I mean, to see Tracy Chapman up there, her first televised performance in nine years or so, it just, I don't know. It was It was truly such a moment of the night. And also, you know, Fast Car, is one of those songs where for so many people, it didn't need a resurgence. It didn't need a renaissance because the Tracy Chapman version has lived in our minds rent-free for as long as we can remember. But for the people who maybe weren't as familiar or don't listen to Fast Car by Tracy Chapman every single day, like in the way that we do, the Luke Holmes version introduced them to something that they either didn't know or didn't recognize or didn't realize. And I just think that the two of them being on that stage together and just pure appreciation of Tracy Chapman, pure appreciation of the song and music. Like to me, that is so special. No, she's sorry. She's a fucking icon. And also in terms of performances that felt very special, like this is Joni Mitchell's first time ever performing at the Grammys. This is Billy Joel's first time in 22 years. And he's singing his first new song in 17 years. You know, these things felt monumentous for a reason. I guess. And I have to say, My biggest takeaway from the night, and I think that it ties into the ability to like really pay homage to the artists that we love and really respect 
those artists. Miley Cyrus as a whole did something to me last night. First of all, that picture of her is burned into my brain forever. And I I just know that we are going to be sitting here, maybe not specifically on a podcast, but certainly sitting talking to each other 30, 40 years from now, remembering that picture of Miley Cyrus and showing it to our kids and our grandkids and being like, no, that's what a legend looks like. Well, that tweet that Olivia posted this morning, I'll put the link to it in the description, but it said, the kind of picture our kids and grandkids will look at and complain about how much cooler the artists from our generation were. Yes. That is truly how I felt. No, she was on fire. So I'm not a believer that you had to have been a fan from someone from the beginning in order to be able to celebrate their success. I think if you are a, a, a fan from the jump, you of course feel more of a passion and maybe feel a little bit of frustration for quote bandwagon fans. But I, I think at any time that you decide you are into someone and you really want to celebrate their success, you have every right. I will say, having watched Hannah Montana from episode number one, when they were doing everything in their power to make sure Lily did not know it was Miley, it hits different. That success hits different. But you know what it is about Miley is that it's it's really funny you say that because I think with a lot of artists, like maybe 95% of artists, people who have been fans for from the beginning, have that feeling of like, oh, you're only discovering them in this era. You're only discovering them in their post-Grammys win era. You're only discovering them because of this concert or this performance. And like, that can be very frustrating. The way that I feel about being a fan of Miley's is like, I never, ever assume that anybody is just getting on board. Like I, anytime I see Miley perform, anytime I see her do anything, anytime anybody's cheering her on, it's like, we have all collectively, every single one of us been here since day one. Well, I mean, I think our age group specifically, we grew up with her. I mean, coming home from school, watching Disney Channel, like she partially raised us, you know? And so whether or not, even if you happen to not be a huge fan of hers, you still can acknowledge the fact that she has been a present figure in our lives, even for some people peripherally for a while now. You know, you, you do feel like we grew up together. The other thing with Miley, I'm sorry, I have a lot to say about Miley. She really, she was my biggest takeaway of the night. But the other thing with Miley that I feel so deeply is that watching her on a Grammy stage, not only accepting a Grammy, but giving a performance that we will remember for a very long time to come is like, it feels like she finally got her due and not in the way that we typically say about Disney celebrities where it's like, oh, they were so talented from the start. And like, you know, the Disney persona kind of got to them and now we get to see them as like this real talent. It's not that same evolution with Miley. The way I feel about Miley is that we have seen her in so many different eras and so many different stages of life. And the one thing that we all have collectively felt is that it's almost like her persona and the version of her that we grew up with from our childhood and then the version of her that was creating so many headlines always became the focus rather than like this unbelievable talent that she had, which kind of took a little bit of a backseat because it felt like one of those things where you're like, no, no, I know, you know, she's talented. That's not the conversation. The conversation is like, I feel like people are not actually acknowledging just how talented she is, like far beyond her years, far beyond what her persona is, far beyond what people assume her talent to be. And so last night felt like the, like finally the full acknowledgement of like, Miley Cyrus is a once in a generation talent. She's not just like 
this persona that has been in our lives forever. No, she has such a star power and she made that moment. There wasn't a moment happening around her. She was the moment. Another comment that I saw that Olivia posted was someone said, she was a whole production by herself, no backup dancers and no props. She rocked out, solid confidence, happy looks good on her. And that's how I felt. It was, first of all, the happiness was just pouring out of her and you know, for anyone you want that for them. And then on top of it, just the way she commanded that stage while also paying homage to the legends of the likes of, you know, Tina Turner that came before her, it was just powerful. And it's funny because obviously we were so aware of the fact that she had never won a Grammy. Hopefully this was going to be her first, but I was watching with my dad and like, he was so thrown off when he found out it was her first. He was like, you telling me Miley Cyrus never won a Grammy Award? I'm like, no, isn't that crazy? <laughs> I know. It just, it felt really right, which is also what's funny is like, there was a part of me that couldn't believe that she had never won a Grammy before. But then I, I actually have to say like the more overwhelming piece of me was like, this feels right that this is the era where she is being acknowledged with that Grammy. Like it feels like, I don't know. It just feels like she has really grown into herself and what you said before about like her paying homage to the artists that have come before her, that is a huge part of Miley's brand and like everybody's overall ability to see her as the icon that she is, which is like, she did her version of Like a Prayer. She did her version of Heart of Glass. Both of those songs came out recently in a way where like everybody, like I said before, acknowledged this supreme talent that they maybe didn't realize. And I feel like she is currently in this era of like, everybody's on board now. And so the Grammy coming at this specific time, it just feels really right to me. Like, yes, I couldn't believe that she hadn't won one before, but I was honestly like weirdly okay with that fact. No, it did feel really right. And I don't even want to get too much into this because I feel like it adds a little bit of negativity to what was an otherwise overwhelmingly positive night for her. But, you know... Listen, the quote family drama that has been maybe going on within the Cyrus family has been kind of known for a while now. And obviously in Miley's thank you speech, she notably did not thank her dad or any of the rest of her family other than her sister, Brandy, and her mom, Tish. And if you've been following this even remotely closely, that's not surprising. What seems to kind of have happened from a very general lens is Obviously, as we know, you know, Tish and Billy Ray had been having issues for a while now. And the divorce was finally finalized in 2023, but they had been separated for a little bit before then. In August of last year, Tish gets married to actor Dominic Purcell. And a couple months later in October, Billy Ray gets married to Australian singer Fire Rose. And at Tish's wedding to Dominic, Miley was there, Brandy was there, her brother Trace was there, but her siblings Noah and Brayson were not there and they were posting from, I think it was like a Walmart or a Target during the wedding. So that was everybody's first clue of like, okay, something is not right here. It almost feels like there had been a divide in the family and almost as if the kids kind of took sides. And then for Billy Ray's wedding, it's unclear if any of the kids were there, but it was confirmed that Miley wasn't. And, you know, I don't know the details of of what went on. I don't pretend to, but I think what we can say confidently is that in the beginning, I'm talking like a year or two ago, it felt like just speculation, like maybe something's a little off here. And now I think that it is completely fair game to say, maybe we don't know the specifics, but you can confidently say something is is definitely off here. So it's really interesting because I was really deep in this last night. Like people have been following this story for a little bit of time now in terms of the family dynamic and the strain in the relationship and not just between Miley and Billy, but also between Miley and Noah and just whatever is, go- is going on there with everybody in the family. And 
I think for a lot of people, the first time that they were cued into this was, of course, the weddings in 2023. Something that I found in my research last night about this is that like, I think that if you watched Hannah Montana and you observe the relationship between Miley and Billy, like this is a very big shock to you. Like our whole lives, we have known them to be very, very close. We've seen that relationship fully on display, not just because we watched it on our screens where you are watching a real father and daughter play father and daughter. And that relationship was so special, but also because throughout Miley's career, Billy has been such a present figure. This is not the first time that cues of their relationship being strained have come into play. And if you remember, there was a tweet from 2013 where Miley tweeted at Billy Ray and said something along the lines of like, I guess your phone doesn't work because you're not answering my calls or texts. So if you want to communicate here, we can do this. And it was something along the lines of Miley tweeting out a picture of somebody that people thought that Billy Ray was having an affair with. And so... Yes, this this dynamic between Miley and Billy or the lack thereof as of right now is like very much on display, especially because she didn't thank him during her speech and very specifically shouted out her mom and her sister who was in the audience. But this is nothing that's entirely new. It may be to a point that it hasn't been at before, but the fact that there's a strain in the dynamic is not, it didn't start with the weddings. Okay, so yes, And also, though, it's kind of separately. And again, I don't know at all what went on in terms of the kids. I don't want to say taking sides. I hate that. I hate that verbiage. But the kids may be choosing where they align more closely. Also, October of last year, there was a clip of Miley on Joe Rogan where she's talking about Noah and talking about Noah being an emo kid and how, you know, she has a long history of viewing Miley as sunshine and that. Noah being more of a dark cloud, something like that. And Noah commented on that video and said the disrespect in this video. I don't, I don't think we posted it, but I remember that comment of being like, oh, whoa, like this is this is something, and it's something enough that it's willing to be spoken about relatively publicly. And yeah, I there's not really a connection between those two necessarily. I'm kind of just listing things. It I, it just makes me so fucking sad because did you see John Stamos posted? Yeah. A picture of him. Yeah. For anyone who, I'll put the link in the description if you didn't see this, but last night, John Stamos posted a picture of him, Billy Ray, and Miley when she was like two. And he wrote, if you would have told me that Billy Ray's little girl would be the badass megastar that she is today, congrats on your first Grammy win at Miley Cyrus. Thank you for sharing your talent with the world. By the way, my hair was very jealous of yours last night. Like, clearly John Stamos has no idea the depths of what's going on here. And if you see the comments, everyone's like, uh get with it. Miley and Billy don't talk, but like it, it does make me sad. And I know, listen, you know, the way that everyone chooses to handle their strained relationship is theirs. And sometimes no communication is really what you need to do to maintain sanity. I'll never not think it's sad when that happens with, with a parent child, not, not judging it at all. Sometimes I recognize that that's what needs to be done, but it, it just, I hope that for their sake, they can resolve that. No, it's it's allowed to be sad and also potentially the right option. It's a very, very difficult dynamic that is not unique to Miley and Billy, but is, is something that becomes very on display. And the the depth of of that dynamic and the strain there becomes really a topic of conversation when it's when it's this public. Yeah. I also have to say, and I really feel that this is a me issue, not a her issue. Like, I think it more so points to me not getting the vision, not her doing anything wrong. But I'd be lying to you if I said that I wouldn't have loved just 
a little bit more of a bouncy blowout. Like I thought her outfits killed. I thought she looked so stunning. And even on stage, I was down with it, but red carpet wise and that gold Margiela, I was like, I would just love a little bouncy blowout, a little volume at the roots. Like that to me, that would have been perfection. And I think I just don't get the hair thing. And maybe that's something I have to get a little bit more, but that was my one takeaway that was killing me. I understand. And I think where I landed was that I I felt like I wished when I saw her on the red carpet that that was the case, that she had a little bit more of like a bouncy blowout. But when I saw her performance, I was I was happy about it. Like I, I could sacrifice what I wanted her red carpet look to be for what her performance look was. And I think the words that I was having trouble finding when I was making my earlier point about the talent that is Miley maybe not getting the full recognition that it had deserved... I think what I was missing from from that explanation was the idea of Miley being a rock star and having this rock star persona, which is something that we hadn't fully recognized until I think the past couple of years. And so the way that the hair played into that whole look last night, to me, that felt really right. And so when I saw it all come together, I, I understood it better and I liked it more, but I understand what you're saying because I think had I only seen the red carpet aspect of it and there was no performance, there was no Grammy win, I would have I would have felt the same way. Totally. Also very Kathy Hilton of her bringing the bag on stage. Very. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their bestseller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blank and I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30-night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. 
Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In terms of red carpet, some of my favorites were Dua Lipa in that long sleeve silver with the hip cutouts. I loved Alessandra Ambrosio in that kind of like liquid gray gown. I thought Paris Jackson looked sick. I'm sure you guys saw this. She worked with Cover FX to cover all of her tattoos and she captioned her picture in love with my alter ego thanks to at Cover FX Total Cream Foundation, which like, what a way to do a sponsorship if that's what that was. I thought Lenny Kravitz in that sheer shirt, black jeans looked sick. I loved, like I said, Miley. I loved Janelle Monet in the silver and black sequin Armani. I thought Sophia Ritchie, simple but beautiful in the black Saint Laurent. Halle Bailey in Gucci. Thought Olivia Rodrigo looked great. By no means was this like a knockout, eat your heart out red carpet, but there were some looks that definitely showed up. I think Miley was my top of the night. That outfit was just like sick and beautiful and and unique and exquisite. Halle Bailey, I think, also was one of my tops. When you said Lenny Kravitz in that sheer shirt, I was like, I've been waiting my whole life to talk about the fact that I don't think there is anybody on this planet with more sex appeal than Lenny Kravitz. It oozes out of him. It's unbelievable. I know. And you know something? He knows it in a way that to me is only appealing. Yeah. It's just, it's just one of those things that like you, it's inescapable and I never want to escape it. No, I never want, by the way, <laughs> who is trying to escape it? I, I, no one, no one. Did you like the Dua Lipa dress? Yes, I did. I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was, it was like so epic. And then at the same time, strangely effortless. Which is exactly Dua Lipa. Yeah, exactly, Dua Lipa. In terms of just other moments of the night, obviously best new artist, Victoria Monet, which oh, her daughter. Is that the cutest baby of all time? No, I was, I was losing. I, I always think about how, I mean, listen, I'm sure as as a parent, as a mother, like what could be more special than sharing that moment with your child? And we always said this, you know, Beyonce bringing blue on stage, but also for the kid, like right now she has no idea, but in 10 years, that is going to be the coolest thing ever for her. She is in her mother's arms as she wins her first ever Grammy for Best New Artist, which most likely, you know, will just catapult her career. Like Best New Artist is a very specific type of win because most likely what happens after that is life-changing. And I always just think about like, wow, what a cool fun fact that's going to be when you're in seventh grade. I think what's also incredible about that moment and, and her having her daughter there for it is like, I think when we think of best new artists, we think of people who are very young and just emerging on the scene and 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 just starting out. Like you, you have the Billie Eilish, you have the Olivia Rodrigo in your head. Victoria Monet has been hustling for a while now. Like she has been on the scene and she has been somebody that maybe has not been catapulted into mainstream fame in the way that she is now going to be as a result of best new artists, but she is somebody whose name has been in the conversation for a while. And so I think that there's this, other added layer of, of validation to this win where it's like, finally, like finally she got hers. Yes, it's best new artist because that is, she met the requirements of being nominated for that category, but she's not a new name by any means. She's not somebody that we are just discovering or figuring out. And so I think that 
to win such a major award, to have that validation of, of how hard you've worked, and then also have your daughter in the audience for that moment, even if she's too young to fully understand the scope of it or remember the night, like that's as special as it gets. Yeah, it's really as special as it gets. I know. I also, I know he didn't win, but I have been following Jelly Roll for such a long time, like through TikTok. I feel like I have gotten such a close understanding of him and Bunny and their relationship and her relationship with his daughter. And when I was watching E live from the red carpet, and I think it was Laverne that was interviewing him, and he he had this just air of disbelief about the whole thing. And, and you know, Laverne asked him about what he's wearing. And he's like, you know, I'm actually wearing Louis Vuitton, Pharrell, dress me. He's like, I know it probably wasn't just me. He's probably dressed a lot of other people, but it was just so crazy that he chose me to like put me in this and I could have never have afforded this. And now here I am. Like as he was talking, you could tell he was just in shock that this is his life. And I am just so excited for him. I know he didn't win, but I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Did you see the video of him calling his mom? Yes. Yes. I lost it. I know. I know. It's really fun to see people win. And I don't mean in this particular instance, like physically when I know he didn't win, but being nominated for a Grammy is certainly a win and feel like you can literally feel their happiness. We were just talking about this with Io, which we'll get into, by the way, I have talked about that JLo thing a little bit later on, but like, yeah, we haven't even spoken about that. You and I, by the way, we haven't spoken. (laughs) I know. Oh guys, this is the first episode, the first regular episode I'm recording, not from Thailand. Well, you also got back from Thailand and I left for the weekend for a wedding. And so we really like, we have a, we have to sit down and have about like a hundred hours together before we separate. Cause I've, we have so much to talk about. I know. And thank God we're doing that tomorrow. I can't, I <laughs> literally funny, can't wait. No, the funniest thing is that I obviously c- came home this weekend to see my dad because I hadn't seen him in weeks. And I get a, a picture of Julian Isabel at my aunt's. I was like, <laughs> Hey guys, like I, you haven't even seen me, but you you've been with her. She asked me that. She was like, "Have you seen Emma yet?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> the most classic thing ever. Anyway, I don't even remember where we were, but yes, peace, love, Jelly Roll, such a fan of his. Also, Billy and Phineas. I mean, come on, how, how are you not going to be happy for them? And that song. It never gets old to see them together, and that's what's so special about them is that you know when when Billy had that year where she won everything. She dominated the four major categories. It was history making. I think there was a part of you that kind of got worried that there was going to be some sort of oversaturation there where you were maybe going to get sick of her. You were maybe going to be like, okay, you know, she did her thing and and now it's time. I never get sick of her. I never get sick of her music, of her songs, of her talent, of her energy, of her personality. Like anytime she is up on stage accepting an award and and we get to see that side of her that just like feels like she's talking directly to us and showing just that young Gen Z funny energy. Like, I'm like, I am so fucking glad that you are as famous as you are. And I only want you to keep getting more famous if that's even possible. But do you remember early on, I I didn't get it. I was like, I am missing something. Like everyone around me is absolutely obsessed. So like, obviously this must be a me issue, which clearly it was. And now I, I so get it. But in the beginning, I, I, and not about her personally, but about the music, I just like was not connecting with it. And I really do now. Yeah. Well, she's also matured. Like obviously that that first album was so special and 
really touched a lot of people and was such a talent, but it's not necessarily something that every single person is going to connect with. And I think that's something that Billy has done as she's grown is a, you've connected with her as a person because you're now so attached to her success and her growth. But also I think her music has matured in a way where it's like, she went from being something that was a very specific brand and a very specific taste to having a little something for everybody without ever losing herself and her specific brand and her specific taste. And that is as impressive of a feat as you can have as an artist. Totally. Also, like how jealous do you think everyone else is that she just gets to be so comfortable? Like she looked so comfortable. That is my dream to be able to wear that on stage. No, she's an icon. She gets to enjoy the night and feel like she's in sweatpants. That's best case scenario. No, no, that's the dream. She she has fully accomplished the dream in every aspect of everything that she does, specifically her clothing choices. She hacked the system for sure. Yeah. Also, just generally speaking, it was really a night dominated by women, which of course we love to see. Obviously, Taylor Swift took home album of the year for Midnight's, which she made history with this one. She's now the first person in history to have won album of the year four times. She was previously tied with Paul Simon, Frank Sinatra, and Stevie Wonder, all who have won it three times. And she goes on stage to accept the award and she announces her next album, which is titled The Tortured Poets Department. And this is what I always say of like, listen, if you've been around for a while, you get it. Obviously we are fucking hyped over Taylor and Travis, like cannot get enough of it. And of course, so happy for her, like one of the hardest working women in the room. However, like if you're going to call it like it is, we aren't diehard Swifties. We don't know all the clues. We're not up on it in the way that like people that follow her every move are. So I guess if you're a a diehard Swiftie, you were anticipating her announcing Reputation Taylor's version and she comes on stage and not only drops the new album that gives the name. And like, that was a moment where I was like, I can't personally relate to this feeling of like pure elation, but I get so much out of watching other people freak out because I know that feeling, not necessarily with music. I don't think that there's anyone with the exception of James Taylor that I feel that strongly about musically, but like, I know what it's like to have that much excitement over something. And it's like to just be there watching and then her, you know, make this announcement. And then of course, everyone's going back and realizing that the name Tortured's Poets Department is a callback to a 2022 Variety Actors on Actors interview with Joe Alwyn and Paul Mescal, where Paul Mescal says that the two of them and Andrew Scott have a group chat called the Tortured Men's Club and like all of these little pieces. And, you know, going back to earlier in that day, the website being down and then picking up on what the clues from the website mean. Like, I personally can't relate to that. I would have never, for example, known that her her watch, she was wearing the watch choker was set to midnight. Like I would have never picked up on that detail, but I am so excited for the camaraderie that people feel among that. And I'm not going to pretend to be in on it because like, I'm just not as invested in that way, but God, am I so happy for like the diehard fans that had that moment. Because how how fun is that? Like this is hands down probably the most fun time of all to be a diehard Swifty. Like this is the time, this is world domination. I think what's really fun if you're a Taylor Swift fan and not even like the top, top bracket of being a Taylor Swift fan. Like I just think if you are a fan of her in general and a fan of her music, it is very fun that Christmas morning gets to come so regularly. Like, you know, I think that's something that a lot of people who are mega fans of a specific artist struggle with is this concept of waiting so long for a body of work to come out. As a Rihanna fan, like, I have to have a lip gloss to to show my appreciation for how much I love your work. Like it's torturous. And I think that's something that's really fun about being a Taylor Swift fan is like, 
it gets to happen so regularly for you, which I think is so exciting. And I think that, you know, if you're a Taylor Swift fan, you're watching the Grammys, it's not only the knowledge that you get to like acknowledge your favorite artist for her work, but you also get to know that like, you know what, more likely than not, she's going to tell you that something else is coming in some capacity. Right. Like how fucking fun is that? Also, I feel like this year, for, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong about this, but there was a lot of behind the scenes footage, like from pre-event, meaning when her and Lana were about to walk the red carpet and she's talking to Tree to make sure that like her necklace is is set right, set to midnight and like fixing Lana's hair. Obviously it was pouring rain in LA. So this was not Taylor specific. Like everyone had this issue of, of having to like fix themselves for a second when they went in. But just that that moment of like, it was probably 90 seconds of video of just like checking before walking down the carpet. It's like these quote human moments that for some reason are just so fun to watch. And then also uh, when she was leaving, talking to Trevor Noah, like complimenting him on a job well done, which there's nothing, there's nothing profound about that interaction, but somehow it it just feels like a peek behind the curtain that it's similar to how we felt when we got the audio of her and Travis on the field. Like some, something about that just felt fun to watch. Well, and, and the setup of the room was so conducive to that too. It wasn't just the carpet and the behind the scenes footage. It was, you saw the same way that people were coming up to Beyonce, people coming up to Taylor, Taylor introducing herself. Like there's a video of her shaking a hand and saying, hi, I'm Taylor, where it's like, obviously everyone fucking knows you're Taylor, but like there's something so crazy about being able to see that interaction. And again, the way that the room is set up and the tables is so conducive to being able to see the way that artists not only interact with other artists, but interact with fans of theirs. And then that very fun crossover of artists who are also fans. Completely. And, you know, for Celine Dion to be the one presenting album of the year, which obviously she shared her diagnosis of stiff person syndrome in 2022. And we really have not seen much of her since. And I think at least based on the updates we had been getting, you know, from her family, there was a lot of uncertainty around how she was doing. And so for her to walk on that stage, just so regal, with such strength to grace the room and the entire audience with her presence like was just such an impactful moment and I'm sure obviously this is a major news story this has been constantly talked about she presents Taylor with the award and Taylor runs on stage of course is like so fucking excited she literally just made history and there is a moment I mean just this is objectively what happened where if you watch the clip she kind of just like takes the award with really zero acknowledgement of Celine zero eye contact and then starts speaking which I know there was a lot of people that said no, she was advised not to hug her like because of her condition. Regardless of what happened, if you were to ask me, I think it was like literally she was just so overwhelmed and she made a human fuck up, which like happens. It was when I was watching it, it for the first time, I was just like, wait, did that <laughs> did that just happen? Because if you watch the clip, she like was turned around almost accepting the award. But when I tell you not 60 seconds after that, a million photos published, every news outlet, Taylor Swift and Celine Dion embraced backstage, you know, after win, which is like, no one works harder than that PR team. And I honestly say that with a, a lot of respect. Okay, here's my thought on this moment. Obviously, there was no malintent here, right? Like Taylor did not maliciously or purposely snub Celine Dion. What you can clearly see happening is that Taylor is overwhelmed and overcome with excitement. She just set the record for album of the year wins, surpassing probably her biggest icons. Like this was an incredible, incredible moment for her. And very clearly she acted in a way that she 
would not have acted and would not have approached Celine Dion in this way had she been in the right frame of mind or not entirely overwhelmed as you can see that she was. However, that doesn't mean that everybody's reaction to this moment isn't entirely warranted. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that Celine Dion comes out to present this award amidst a very public and very heartbreaking health battle. We watching this moment, both at home and in the audience, had no idea what the state of Celine Dion's health was. She makes very few public appearances. It's very rare that we get these updates as to how she's doing. And so for her to come out on that stage and present this award was miraculous and brave and such an incredible and exciting and emotional moment. And so for Taylor to not acknowledge Celine Dion in the way that Celine Dion deserves to be acknowledged, period, health issues aside, was very difficult to watch and was very upsetting to see. When you add the health issues on top of that and you add the fact that it was a huge deal for Celine Dion to come out into the public and be on the stage and present this award, I can't pretend to not understand why everybody, including myself, was so upset by that. That is exactly it. I mean, both things can be true. It's like when I was watching in real time, I thought it, it was such a shocking moment. And also, I did not think for a second she did that with bad intention. Like nobody would do that with bad intention. She got caught up and she just fucked up. Like that, that is what happened. What I thought was so funny and just a testament to like, damn, these people ride for her. Everyone's like, yeah, well, she was advised not to hug her. It's like, was she advised not to make eye contact with her? Like if you watch the moment, she is literally turned around taking the award. It was, it was crazy. Like I did have a moment of like, wait a second. And I looked on Twitter immediately after because I was like, that's not just me, right? And of course it's, you know, it's flooded with people being like, what just happened? And then like a million people coming to her defense. And to me, the defense of like, she was advised not to hug her is so is so rich in that that could a hundred thousand percent be true. I have no idea the way that Celine Dion's medical condition manifests herself and the way that people need to like physically react to her totally. But I can say with confidence, eye contact isn't doing anything. And that was just like shocking, but whatever it was, it was a moment it happened. It's over. And I think that the, the bigger takeaway of the night was fucking Celine Dion was there. And you saw the way the room just, I, I think was all in awe of, of her being there. I mean, Celine Dion is a once in a generation artist. I mean, that is a voice that transcends music. And so, like I said, to have all of these questions about the status of her health and be very concerned about her and very worried about her and her not making public appearances, to be able to see her on that stage was like, it was such a incredible, historic, beautiful moment. No, it, it was. It was. I also, people, I mean, God, there are such mixed opinions on this. Like the, the, the way the internet is split about this is nuts. So wherever you land, that's fully you. But I loved watching Jay-Z up there. I love Blue next to him. Yes, I think she was a little bit like, dad, are you really doing this right now? And obviously I think Beyonce partially wanted to kill him. But when he said, when I get nervous, I tell the truth. <laughs> I was just, I don't know. I was having the best time. I loved Jay-Z up on that stage, speaking the speaking his truth, speaking the truth. Because the fact of the matter is, is that when it comes to Jay-Z and his feeling about the Grammys, this is not a secret. It's not like he won this prestigious award of the Dr. Dre Impact Award and got on that stage and said something that he has never said before and blew everybody away by bringing attention to something that like he 
didn't need to. And that, that's not Jay-Z. Jay-Z has been very open about his feelings towards the Grammys, has been very open about his feelings towards the process in which winners are selected and who's selected and who's nominated. And so I think it would have actually been very disingenuous for him to get on the stage and not make any sort of acknowledgement of it, especially with Beyonce being his wife. I mean, Beyonce's name in the conversation about who wins the album of the year, who wins in the major categories, like she is the person that is most representative of the way that the Grammys have fallen short over the years. And so I think that for him to get up there and and pay some sort of acknowledgement to his wife in the crowd and feel that way while he was accepting his award. It's not like he took away anybody else's moment by doing that. He took his moment and chose to do that and chose to, to, to talk about something that I, I honestly think people would have said like, he's not going to acknowledge it at all. Had he not taken the time to do that because there's something he's been so open about over the years. No, no, no. Make no mistake. To me, it was perfect. I just recognized there was certainly a split reaction to it. I more so am so interested in the car ride home, like in the Escalator, Maybach or whatever car they were driving home, just him, Beyonce and Blue, what they were saying. I don't think Beyonce was mad at that. Do you? I don't think she was mad at it. No, because again, he wasn't taking someone's moment. It was his moment and that's what he chose to do with it. I just think obviously... You know, she she would have never done it in that way, but they're they're not the same person, you know? Like, I think there was certainly a part of her that was probably a little embarrassed is such a strange word to use for this. Because it's like, what, what are we talking about here? But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to, str- I'm struggling with the right words. I don't think she was mad. No, I definitely don't think she was mad. At the end of the day, he was riding for her. Like, that's what you want out of your husband. I think she was more so like, I I think there was probably a part of her that was like, God damn. You know, my feeling on it is when you are expected to be more gracious than everybody else and you're expected in the way that Beyonce is to handle things in a way that, I'm trying to think of how I want to word this. When you have to compose yourself and present yourself in a way that is very, very specific to the reactions that you may get as a result, I think to be able to have somebody up there who rides for you and protects you and champions you do the thing that you can't do and that it would create such an issue for you if you were to do. I think that maybe she didn't expect that he was going to do it. Maybe she was a little thrown off by it. Maybe she was even, like you said, embarrassed is a strange word, but it, it could have occurred. But I think overall, to have that acknowledgement from your husband in that moment. And like we said, in his moment, not in somebody else's moment, in his moment. To me, I, I, don't, I don't see a scenario in which you're mad at that because I think it's something that Beyonce has probably wanted to express frustration with many, many times before and just hasn't been able to. And so I'm all for Jay-Z taking his moment to, to, to acknowledge that. And I'm all for Beyonce getting to express some frustrations without the criticism falling on her for doing so. Let me be very clear. I am right there with you. I'm more so saying if you're asking me about their interaction, there are some times when we see a public moment and we can almost perfectly envision what we think that car ride home is like or what we think it's like the second, you know, whoever it is walks through the door and what they're saying sitting around that kitchen table. I don't know exactly what that car ride was like. And I am so curious, and as obviously we will never, ever know, but I, I can't tell you that I have in my mind exactly how it went down. 
I don't know either, but one thing I know about Jay-Z and Beyonce, that no matter what happens, no matter what award is won or not won or what is acknowledged or not acknowledged, they are laughing their way to the bank. Yeah, no shit. I mean, what a night. SZA accepting the award from Lizzo and that just like overwhelming embrace. Billy Joel playing us out with You Maybe Right. I was having so much fun. What a night for music and what a night for us as the fans. And how fun to be able to do this. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. Okay, so I know this is kind of old news, but we just got to quickly mention it because it's unfolded over the past few days a little bit more. So obviously, as we know, last Saturday, Iowa Debris was hosting SNL with J-Lo as the musical guest. And a couple of days before SNL, a clip resurfaces from a podcast that she did in 2020 on an episode of The Scam Goddess with Lacey Mosley. And they're talking about kind of J-Lo's whole career being one long scam and her not being able to sing and different conspiracy theories about J-Lo not being the one that's actually singing on multiple tracks. And it's the kind of thing where you're just like literally face palm emoji, like cannot imagine a word. No, true. Something about you saying face palm emoji killed me. It'd be like, it was the exact same feeling as if you sent me a face palm emoji. <laughs> but that's how I felt of like, first of all, POV, you are Iowa every backstage in the two days before SNL. 
and you now open your phone to Twitter or someone comes in and tells you, we got news for you. This clip is going viral. Something that you mentioned on a podcast in 2020 that never did you think would become an issue in this way. Like talk about something that you never thought would come back to bite you in this particular way. Like what a specific circumstance that you are not just in the same room as JLo. That's fine. I mean, you know, her career was on a good trajectory. The fact that you're hosting SNL with JLo as the musical performer, there's a million people that could play that role. It happens to be JLo and these specific comments that you made specifically about JLo and her musical ability resurfaced the day before. Like, I'm sorry to me, if you're her, that's worst case scenario. And so everybody's wondering like, are they going to acknowledge it in SNL? And they do. They do a sketch, why'd you say it? Where basically game show contestants are asked to explain why they left certain comments on other people's Instagram posts. And she kind of acknowledged it or seemingly acknowledged it during the sketch when she was like, okay, okay, we get it. It's wrong to leave mean comments or post comments just for clout or run your mouth on a podcast and you don't consider the impact because you're 24 and stupid. But I think I speak for everyone when I say from now on, we're going to be a lot more thoughtful about what we post online which I thought was the perfect way to handle it. But like, oh, baby. That whole thing cracked me up because something that I loved about it is that it didn't become too serious. Like Somebody tweeted and they were like, oh no, what's going to happen? JLo's going to get on stage and prove her right. Like, I, I, it was just killing me also because I love JLo. You know how I feel about JLo. I am literally number one subscriber on the JLo forever. But like, <laughs> that is not the person that you want to have to have that interaction with. Like that is probably last person that you ever want to have that specific scenario happen with. And oh my God, I was just like, I was like dying watching this go down, but I felt like the acknowledgement of it and like the fact that it didn't become this whole big deal and didn't become this whole big thing and was kind of taken a little bit more lightheartedly. I was so happy to see that be the case and be the tone. Same, but did you see how during JLo's performance, one of her extensions fell out and was like on the on the ground? Yeah. There was like all of these uh, conspiracy theories about like uh, JLo purposely pulls out extension as a way to distract from possible criticism raised by Io Devery's comments. It was like, all right, guys, it was, it was just a clip in that went bad. No, that is so funny. Something that's so funny about that is that like, this is not Io's like, soul opinion. Like this has been a conversation for forever with JLo. And so I always think about the John Mulaney standup where he's talking about like, you never want to put something in writing and then like have it be read aloud in court where he's like, you're literally not thinking about it. And then all of a sudden, like your friends are involved in a lawsuit and somebody's sitting there reading an email being like, Hey, whatever happened with that guy and the landlord? Like, do you want me to kill him for you? I'll so totally kill him for you. And it's like, <laughs> your words when they're read in court, like are a lot different than when you're joking around with your friends in a group chat. Like that's how I felt about I want a podcast in 2020 when she like wasn't famous. People didn't even really know her. She was a comedian just starting out. Like she's making these hilarious remarks. And then all of a sudden it's read in a completely different context. And it's like, oh fuck. Like that is exactly the vibe of what happened. <laughs> no, exactly. But when you said like, you know, it's not like this is Io's sole opinion. It's something that's been said. Yes. But the difference is that for 99.9% of other people who have said that both publicly and privately, they are then not the sole person on stage with JLo hosting SNL. Like it was just such a perfect storm where if I'm her, I it's almost like you got to laugh. Like yeah. it's, it's almost too, too specific to not laugh. And I thought the way they all played it off was perfect. Even at the end, 
you know, when, when she's back on stage doing the closeout, like people were overanalyzing every little moment of body language between her and JLo. If you were to ask me, I think that JLo was totally gracious. I'm sure that Io, you know, handled it beautifully. And I think that in public, JLo was probably completely fine about it, cool about it. However, she'll never forget that one. Like from what we know about JLo, that's sticking in the back of her head for sure. It's almost like the most famous thing that could happen to you. Like have your big, famous, huge moment with a very specific, big, huge artist and then have comments resurface. It's like a rite of passage, it feels like. Yes, yes, exactly. And it didn't distract, which I was so happy about. Well, I was going to say, she also happened, I mean, not happened to, I expected her to, but like she also killed SNL. So this just became like a funny note in the greater landscape. It wasn't like, as you said, the focus. Yeah, it was like embedded into the hilarity of it all rather than like overshadowing it. Totally. Also just want to mention that Bieber performed for the first time at NHL All-Star Weekend at Drake's History Club for, it was a Drew House and Toronto Maple Leafs collab show, which like this whole thing was literally Justin's wet dream. It was his first live performance since September, 2022. And I feel like the reaction online was just this collective, like, oh, he is so back. The way I feel about Justin is so funny to me because I'm so protective over him in a way that always catches me off guard. Like before when we were having that conversation about the way that Taylor fans feel where it's like, you know, they're waiting on every single Easter egg and every single clue and every day is Christmas morning. I don't have that in me. I don't have the ability to like focus on an artist in that way. I don't have the attention span to do it, but there's something that comes up with Justin where it's like, I won't say it to that extent, but there's like, a personal connection I feel that always catches me off guard where I'm like watching him and I'm, he's performing at NHL and he's taking Jason Kennedy to his old spots and he's with all of his friends in Canada. And I like have this reaction where I'm like, oh, it's so nice to see him in Canada. He's so himself again. I love seeing him like so natural and relaxed and I'm around family and friends and in his happiest environment. And I'm like, why am I having that reaction? Like, it's so off of me to do that. I know, but I get it. And I think also for you specifically, like, you have been on this ride with him since the OG days when your room was plastered in, in Justin Bieber posters. Like you've really been there <laughs> since day one. And so I think it's only natural, you know, on some level you feel, you feel a connection to these people. And I don't think, you know, yeah, yeah like objectively maybe a little bit weird, <laughs> but like, I get it. <laughs> like I worry, like I worry about him. Like when you just said like, oh, he's so back. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like everybody slow down because like, I don't put that on him. Like he has a very difficult time with, with he needs balance. Like he can't just be like thrust into it again. Like you have to give him time. He can't tour. It's not good for him. Like I I am literally protective over him in like the strangest way. I get it. I get it. There are some celebrities that I feel that way about also. And it always, it does catch you off guard because you're like, wait, I literally, one, don't know them. And second of all, like, they have plenty of people in their real lives to feel this way. Like he's making the decision that's best for him, but whatever. Okay. So it's a sense of empathy and compassion that maybe is put onto people you don't actually know. If that's the worst thing, like I'm okay with that. I think there's so many worse things in the world, you know? I feel like what it is too, is like, it feels really warranted with Justin where like a lot of the time I see people speculating about artists and people they don't know online and like what their emotional state is and and what they could possibly be going through. And I'm like, where are you getting this information from? Like you guys literally all sound like you're making something up. And like, how do you all collectively know to make this up? Like I'm watching this exact same person that you're watching and like, I'm not seeing any of that. The thing with Justin that I will say is that I think more than any other artist, like he really does show his emotions and wear his heart on his sleeve and like 
whatever he is going through, you are very, very aware of that. Not just because you're guessing, but because he is like really showing you that journey. And like, even if it's after the fact, it's like, you can pick up on, on him based on what he's posting and based on what he's doing and how he looks. It's like, he, he doesn't hide his emotions well. He never attempts to. And so I do feel like there's something very specific with Justin when you're like talking about how he's feeling or what he's doing that does feel more rooted in fact, but that also could just be in my head. Like everybody may feel that way about their person, <laughs> but it, don't you feel, don't you a little bit feel like it's different with him? I, I was about to say, like, I both agree with you and also think like, sounds a lot like a girl who's trying to convince herself that this is normal. <laughs> I don't know. Like it, it always catches me off guard. I'm like, why am I doing this? I hate this. I know. <laughs> like, it's, I okay. it's okay. It's okay. I would so much rather you lean in and just like not be worried about how it's received. Cause like that is just your truth. And that is totally fair. And by the way, I sometimes feel that about like random TikTokers, you know, not to the extent that you do, obviously I'm not, I'm not even comparing it, but I'm just saying sometimes you randomly form this like emotional attachment where you like are genuinely so caring about this person's well-being and that's okay. Yeah. I I am. Like I really like I really feel tuned into him emotionally in like a sh- very strange way. And that's okay. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter-looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just 1 minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Usher for Skims, baby. It's so good. It's, you know what, you know what the best part about it is, is that you said to me when we got on, we should have predicted this and we 100% should have. And that is like the brilliance of what Kim has been able to create is like, she gives us something where it's like, duh, but the fact that she did it is still, is still something to talk about. Like I am just never not impressed. Never not impressed. And also just the power Usher has that since forever and for forever, at least as far as I'm concerned, he is just received as like ultimate sexiness is a superpower. 
You know what it is too, like that I love is that I really love the way that the internet and people celebrate when marketing is done right. And I think that's something that is is new, especially when it comes to celebrities. Because I feel like, listen, one thing about celebrity brands and, and celebrity promotion is that people kind of go in wanting to be mad. And so when celebrities do something so right, where it's like they have no choice but to celebrate it, like it's so fun to watch. And I think that people really are so tuned into what they think is a really smart business move and, and what they feel inspired by and what they think is really smart. And I love seeing that celebrated. Like I love that Haley Bieber posted that selfie showing her phone case with the lip gloss insert and everybody went crazy for it. And like to see people celebrate something that is simple but smart is never not fun to me. And that's how I always feel about Skims. It's not like she's doing something where the earth is now turned on its head because Kim came out with a campaign that is so unbelievable. It's not that. It's just like when you as a consumer feel seen and understood and like the person who's giving you a product kind of can understand what you want. I think it's a very validating feeling. Totally, totally. And like for myself, speaking as someone who is just such a fan of the product. And it's funny because Rick texted us two days ago or whatever, pre-Usher ad. And he was like, fuck guys, I, I need more Skims cotton briefs and they're out. I'm like, oh, well now, now good luck. Now they're about to really be sold out. I know. I know. Also, this is a, this is a, I know this is, will absolutely reach no one, but I just throwing it out to the universe. A while ago when Kim did one of the swim drops, she released these cargo pants. They were marketed as cover-up cargo pants. She released them in black and then a couple of neon colors that matched the bathing suits. I got them in black and I got them in the bright green. They are and have been since I bought them my favorite pair of pants that I have ever owned, my favorite pair of cargo pants. I don't wear them as cover-ups. I just wear them as like cargo pants that I would wear to a concert. I mean, you've seen me wear them a million times. Not only it's are they sold out, they're not even on the website anymore. The closest thing to them at least at the time that we're recording this, is the bridal silk cargo pants, which are a little bit different. This is my formal call. If you're anyone on the Skims team or anyone even in proximity, I will do anything for these pants to come back. Like literally anything because I am so afraid that they are going to wear out and then I'm going to be done with them. And I I think at that point, I'd have to bring them to a tailor and see if I could have the exact ones remade because I have gone through, I'm not kidding, I've probably gone through 20 pairs of other cargo pants and I have not yet gotten ones that just fit in this way. So I would just like to put that out there formally. I don't know if anyone else also got them and is now mourning the loss of them being an available product, but the, they're, you know how much I love these pants. No, I know you do. And I think that I think that you putting out a public call for them is probably a very necessary move. Well, I have to say on last week's episode, when we got into that conversation about Sophia and Joe, and then we talked about the topic of egg freezing, and I was like, I know this may be a little bit rogue, but I'm at the point where like, I'm really considering it. And if anybody wants to share their insight, the level of response that we got to that like call for information was so overwhelming in the best way. It, it was so like endearing and inspiring to show the way that women come together. I know like it sounds probably very corny, but I have to tell you, I mean, we got hundreds of responses, which is why I apologize if you message and we have not responded. I, I could not respond to all of them because it was literally hundreds, but I read every single one, every single woman that sent in their journey, their experience, giving me really tangible 
advice and things to point to. The Race to 35 podcast with Monica Padman, a lot of people recommended. I started listening to that. We got such detailed responses of people that were talking to you as though you were their friend or even if if not, just like a fellow woman who wanted to share their experience or their insight or what they went through. And it was so helpful. And it was it was both, for me, it was both very calming and that I was like, okay, here are all of these people that I feel like are my friends sharing their experience in such a vulnerable way. And also it kind of lit a fire under my ass to be like, first things first, let's just get my levels checked. Like anything else aside, let's just do the AMH test or whatever it's called. Like that is, you know, that's the first step in all of this before I even have to think about egg freezing. And I just really want to say a, a heartfelt and sincere thank you to everyone who took the time to write out their experience because it it, it was, I said this to you, I, I was like blown away at the level of connection kind of. It made me feel really, really connected to our listeners in a way that I always feel, but I guess because we sometimes feel a little bit removed from the podcast personally, meaning like you know, we're not sharing our lives and sharing our everyday. And so it sometimes can be just about the topic. For this to be something that's so personable and so intimate and so vulnerable and people sharing that with us, I really, really thank you. And it it really meant a lot to me. And I have started to take a lot of your advice seriously. And I, I just wanted to express my gratitude for that. It was such an overwhelmingly like incredible response. And I think that the effect that it had on me was twofold. It was one, this like incredible connection to our listeners. And like, I, like you said, like, I just felt so like grateful for everybody who took the time to do that. But it was so much bigger than that because it was such the perfect example of like the way that women always show up for each other. Like that is just like full on display to take the time to recount your experience for two podcast hosts asking for advice on this thing that like only we as women can understand. And then like, completely understanding that fact that like, as a woman, you have knowledge that is worth sharing with other women. It was like, it it just like, it was so incredible. Yeah, it really, really was. So uh, thank you for everyone who shared that. And uh, we have a lot to think about, a lot to do. I have an appointment that has been made and we'll see how I feel if I, if I feel like you know, sharing any of that as I go through the process. I haven't begun anything yet, but first step is getting those levels checked and we will go from there. So just wanted to say thank you and we love you guys. You're just the best and we'll see you later this week for Kardashians and Bravo. 